0: In 2022, despite the losses last season, can Baylor come back with the best defense in the Big 12? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Baylor. I am Drake Toll, joined today by Luke Jones, otherwise known as at Baylor Bearhead on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you're missing out, and you missed a ton of awesome Baylor content. Luke, thanks for coming on the show today, and I am tasking you with maybe the toughest task anyone has faced at Locked on Baylor in convincing me that without Terrell Bernard and without Jalen Petrie, Baylor can still be elite on defense. Is there a way to make that case?
1: Well, first of all, if you're going to say that that's going to be the hardest question you ever faced on here, you must have had some easy questions because, in my opinion, Baylor stacked this year. Uh, moving forward, if you're looking at the defensive backs, uh, that's an area where a lot of people have question marks. Uh, you know, you're just looking at a, st- a stat sheet. You're just looking at maybe ESPN's returning production rankings. Right. You're not going to be very high on this team. But take a little bit deeper of a dive, and you tend to see that there's a lot more experience there than what people are really giving us credit for. You know, Mark Milton last year, going to be at corner for us this year. He actually started two out of, out of our last three games, returning Christian Morgan, uh, obviously returning Walcott, huge production from corner, but likely going to be able to be moved to star this year. Um, and if you're just looking at uh, any of the rest of the guys' snacks, you know, looking at uh, Williams or looking at White, who's going to be filling in at will for us this year, like our, our pass protection is going to be awesome. You know,
0: that is the, it it feels like the cornerstone of where, can Baylor defense be elite? The cornerstone is built on how well the secondary is going to play. Like if Texas can come out, Oklahoma can come out, take the top off, just go along the entire ball game, then you're you're toast. But I want to start easy. We can get progressively harder and really get deeper into the secondary. When it comes to this defensive line, Luke, The analysis that I've seen across the board nationally, from Big Game Boomer to ESPN, is that this D-line is not just one of the most elite in the Big 12, but also the country. Is that some rose-colored glasses stuff, or is this D-line, are they really going to be that elite on a national level?
1: So I think if you're looking at it and breaking it down, I think that we kind of have to include uh, our Jack linebacker when we're discussing the defensive line as well. We're returning everybody. I mean, I'm not just talking about starters. I'm talking about too deep, you know. Um, If you're looking at Siaki Ika, you know, defensive newcomer of the year last year. If you're looking at Jackson Player, that's my preseason Big 12 defensive MVP this next year. Uh, I I know that Ika is going to be getting a lot of snaps, but I think that player's got a very special skill set that when you put him in, he's going to be doing a little bit less hold downs on the line and a little bit more penetration. Where maybe he gets those juicier stats, even though I feel like him and Ika, you know, obviously both very very talented players. Um, you're looking at when you start looking at the defensive ends. I mean, you know, this last year we had a very very solid core, uh, about three guys deep, and you know we've got some incoming guys that look pretty solid as well. So all around defensive line, I mean, by far our best position group, and by far the best defensive line in the Big 12. No questions at all there for me, Luke. You have just thrown this entire show on top of its head. You
0: just said on Locked On Baylor on Monday, August 1st, that Jackson player is your Big 12 defensive player of the year. When most people would point at Siaki Ika to be either that guy or Baylor's best defender, why? In depth, right here, right now, why Jackson player over Siaki Ika?
1: So in my opinion, you know, the the Big 12 defensive player of the year, that's not an award that's given to the best defensive player of a year. Like if I was to give my favorite player from this team, the guy that I feel like is going to do the most and elevate us the most for sure. Siaki Ika is the guy, but player is going to be the guy that actually picks up the stats that are going to get the media heads to turn and notice, you know, if you're looking at what the preseason votes were, right. They tend to always skew towards a defensive end, a linebacker. So if you're looking at our interior defensive line, we're not going to be getting a guy that, you know, does what Ika does. Which is stand strong, hold the line, and you know, take double teams. It's going to have to be somebody that gets a little bit more penetration. So, I think just two different skill sets uh, one of them lends itself to an MVP pick, the other does not. So, but Mm. both fantastic players for sure. Luke, the Luke
0: bomb right there, immediately like, welcome to locked on Baylor, Bam Jackson player. It is. Do you think there's an adjustment period too for a guy coming from Tulsa? Granted, they play you know, power five teams. Is, Is there an adjustment period? where game one against Albany, I mean, everybody's going to have a field day, but then game two, BYU, is there a wake-up call for Jackson players that's like, all right, you need two or three games to adjust to this?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, Baylor can pick up wide receivers from Dartmouth, and the next year they're going to come in and absolutely kill it. But if you're looking at positions like O-line, D-line, those do definitely take a little bit of a buildup. But if you're looking at our schedule for this next year, I mean, considering the away games that we play, it's actually very manageable in that we have, you know, tough weeks followed by something that's a little bit easier, and then a yeah. tough week followed by something a little bit easier. Um, you know, Jackson's obviously not going to be used to the grind of a Power Five schedule, but I think that he is going to have a little bit of a break in between each, you know, tougher road game that we're going to play. To where I think he's going to be just fine. Definitely you know, not a full schedule.
0: I, I like that. I like that point too. That you go because it's BYU Kansas, right? So you get like exactly. a. You get a an Albany. Ah, hello. Welcome to Baylor. You get to play Albany game one. Game two, you're at BYU, so you get the gauntlet. But Kansas at home should be a little bit easier than BYU on the road. Uh before we get into kind of linebacking court and secondary, because I know that's something that you you've looked at really in depth. The the defensive ends on this team too and I mean, I think I like put Gabe Hall in that conversation, too, as someone who I expect to see more at a defensive end spot than an interior lineman spot, despite him having, in my opinion, the size to do both. What do you see from the defensive ends of this group and how they will really work as not just DNs but also linebackers and even in like Jalen Petrie's case where he was kind of everything?
1: Yeah, I feel like the defensive ends this year are going to be a position that kind of sets the tone for Baylor. Um, If you're really looking at it from a schematic standpoint, last year we relied a lot, obviously, on our star and our will to be making a lot of big edge plays. Um, but if you're looking at this upcoming season, if we end up having Walcott switch into star, yeah. you know, Walcott is very good in coverage. But I don't think anybody expects him to be Jalen Petrie coming off the edge. Um, so, you know, just looking at our defensive ends, are going to have to step up a little bit. But the good news is we've got two guys that were starters last year, right? Like, if, if we're looking at some dudes that are going to be able to come off the line explosive, make big plays, we already saw it. So, no questions for, there for me, for sure. Yeah.
0: GD Obinaya, Jackson Player, Siaki Ika, TJ Franklin, Gabe Hall. I mean, Garmin Randolph to an extent, depending on where he is or seen on the field next season. There's like the list of guys that if you're an opposing offensive line, you're just thinking, okay, no, thank you. That's not going to be very fun to play against. And, Luke. Again, linebacker core, which there are questions at when you lose Jalen Petrie, who was again linebacker. Sometimes, sometimes he's blitzing, sometimes he's in the secondary. Hello, and you have Terrell T- Bernard gone as well. There are question marks there that I know that you've you've addressed and looked into, especially on your Twitter. Before we get into those, though, I do got to tell everybody at home about Locked On's newest sponsor, LinkedIn. Trust me, Luke's not going anywhere. There are very few more knowledgeable about, Bay- about Baylor sports and the schematics of Baylor defense, but Look, LinkedIn right now, I am currently in the process of looking for a job post-graduation, which is a great segue to say that like, I graduate in a year, so if you're looking for someone to work at your job, specifically talking about sports, if you own ESPN, you're listening to Locked on Baylor today, first and foremost, thank you. That's, this is big. Thank you for watching Locked on Baylor. Second and second most, I would love a job. And if you out there are needing a job, LinkedIn's great. If you're wanting to hire people to work for you or with your job, LinkedIn is also great. Add your job with a purple hashtag hiring frame in the LinkedIn website to spread the word. Simple tools, their screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience and small businesses rate. LinkedIn, number one in delivering quality hires versus the competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And every week, 40 million people visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college, linkedin.com slash locked on college. Keep in mind terms and conditions do apply. Luke Terrell Bernard is no longer a Baylor bear. Jalen Petrie, no longer a Baylor bear. Two guys you're losing on the defense and you're still telling me this defense is going to be good. Give me the good news from a linebacker standpoint.
1: So the fantastic news is that we returned three out of our four best linebackers from last season. If you're looking at sack totals, you know, rush percentages, even the more advanced stats like, uh, you know, prevention of line yards and stuff like that, uh, you know, Baylor's linebacker core last year wasn't just a one-man show. You know, Bernard had a lot of playing time where the coaches tried to funnel him into some big playmaking positions. Yeah. But if you're looking at Jones, if you're looking at Randolph, if you're looking at all these guys, I mean... They did what they were told to do, and if the coaches raise the expectations for any of their position groups this year, that's not that much of a step forward from what they were already achieving. And me especially, I'm I'm very excited about our new guys at Linebacker, right? We've got Williams and we've got White that are coming in. Uh, You know, Williams, obviously, last year, very solid player, and White, a transfer in from LSU, um, you know, just both very, very solid, both fast, too. I think that's the one difference this year on defense where uh, if you're just – you know, comparing apples to oranges, this year to last year, uh, our our defensive backs and our linebackers are going to be fast. And obviously, last year, like don't get me wrong, Baylor had some ridiculous safeties, corners that could actually get there. But for linebackers, we didn't really have anybody that could, you know, get to those horizontal throwing plays quite as well as I think we'll be able to this year. Garmin Randolph
0: is a player on this defense that Luke, I feel like has had great upside and bright spots. But there's never been that consistency of every play, every down. You just think, okay, here's Garmin Randolph somewhere making a play on the football field. What do you see in Garmin Randolph? And can he be one of those sleeper, game-changer guys for this defense? Or is this a defense that's not built around him being a star?
1: Well, I think you kind of have to look at you know the, the big three things that a lot of defensive coaches will tell you is alignment assignment key, right? So if you're looking at Garmin Randolph's assignments on a lot of plays, you know, he's sticking up the tackles or the guards, and he's kind of holding it down for linebacker scrapes a lot of the time. And when he does go into coverage, it's not really something that would be very flashy, you know, if we're doing some kind of stunt. So, uh, you know, I just think if you're really looking at what the purpose is for him, which is to stick up guys, to hold his ground, to wait for the linebackers to scrape and come around top, he does a very good job. And I, I don't really see him necessarily having too much of you know an assignment change this year. But if he does, I mean, he's shown that he's a very capable athlete for sure. Very high on him. Plus he's like what, 6'5, 265, like a monster. So he's massive. The guy's yeah. just
0: absolutely huge. And that in itself, like this is this whole entire defense is just insanely big. Like just everybody's huge. Him being one of the one of the guys, Gabe Hall, another one, you know, obviously Siaki Jackson player, the l- list goes on. The Luke Help, I uh, help secondary. I've heard so many people try to make cases for the secondary that have been. Uh, here's the the one that's outdated to me, or or overused, or I hate. Dave Aranda is great at what he does. I trust Dave Aranda. The secondary is going to be great. I that that that's not enough for me to be like, oh, yep, nope. Secondary is awesome. Give me the tangibles. How well this secondary is going to show up next season? You've already mentioned a few of those, but going more in depth when you talk about Christian Morgan. Al Walcott, how Devin Lemire or Mark Milton can step up snacks to where is it that this secondary becomes not just good, but great to you?
1: So I think you really got to start at the top when you're talking about this, you know, Christian Morgan and Devin Neal are going to be holding the backfield, you know, Neal on the the boundary side, Morgan on the field. Uh, Both of them, you know, from watching last year, obviously Morgan, very talented returning starter. And Neil actually got a pretty significant amount of snaps, like off the top of my head, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he, he totaled 30-something tackles. So for, for the amount of plays that he got as a backup, I mean, he, he was getting in very solid production. Um, and then moving forward, moved down to star. Uh, that's a position where, you know, there's been, gosh, I mean, you know, there's like four or five different guys whose names have been floated around for who might be the guy there. Yeah. But if it ends up being Walcott, I think that's, that's a very solid position. I know you know there's a lot of people talking about who it could be, who it couldn't. But just under this assumption that it's Walcott, um, you know, started at corner last year, uh, not very bad on the island, but much better when there was you know run plays and that sort coming towards him. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking then down to the corners, Mark Milton started two out of our last three games last year, right, uh, and performed very well. Like if you're looking at a lot of the snaps that he took, where it was you know flood concepts or post-concepts that sort of thing he was kind of he, he would play aggressively but you could tell that his mindset was always you know never let a man deep and i think for this upcoming season that's exactly the kind of play that we're going to need from our corners if they're as inexperienced as they are um they're going to need to be able to just keep everything under them keep it safe because i mean just just being honest here right looking at the returners our cornerback is for sure our weakest position yeah. But it's also the position where I feel like if they just do the small, simple, easy things that everybody's been hearing since they played Pee Wee football, that this team's going to be fine. You know, just don't let anybody deep, you know, if you have to stem inside, we we just can't, in my opinion, you know, let the Xavier Worthies of the world run free. Yeah. If we're letting up five yard outs every once in a while, like no big deal. They, they don't have to be exceptional. They just have to be good. I like that you said that. Because last year's
0: secondary, I, w- I was at no point blown away with what Baylor threw out there. You see the Texas game. That's how Baylor got down so early. is because Texas just taking the top off of the Baylor secondary. The linebacking core, defensive line is what gave Baylor such a strong defense last year to the point where half the time, these teams couldn't handle the, the guys up front to the point of getting the air game open. So... I I do enjoy that the secondary doesn't have to be the vital pivotal point for Baylor's defense to be elite. And that I look, you know what? You're here. I've got you here. Luke was Baylor's secondary last year. Good. Did you, did you really like what they had last year in the secondary? And is this secondary going to be better?
1: If you're talking talent? Absolutely. Like there, there were some guys last year that I think you could put, you know, there's always a comparisons put about DB play and like who's DBU, whether it's some school in the SEC, some school in the Big Ten. I think probably half those guys would have still been the same caliber of player at, you know, if, if you're moving them to Mississippi State or if yeah. you're moving them to Michigan State. You know, teams that are like solid quality programs, you know, they, they would be good players there. Uh, everybody would still be buying their jerseys. Um, if you're looking at how they executed in certain games, they were absolutely not an elite defensive back group. You know, they, they were some studs who gave up some very bad plays sometimes. And especially if you're talking about schematically, through probably the first eight or nine games, I wasn't exactly impressed with, uh, especially, you know, deep threats. I, I feel like we did a very decent job. But, yeah. you know, roots where it was a little bit more complicated, you know, more crossing, uh, especially, man, I think you, everybody saw it during that TCU game. They were hitting those little, you know, 15-yard drop passes, or they were hitting yeah. those little 10-yard slants that were just, you know, kind of in that middle range of, you know, between what you would consider like a flats pass and a deep pass, and there there was just issues with the way that we were playing it. But then after that TCU game, I think everybody that was watching saw, uh, you know, Aranda made a very very decisive shift in adding another defensive back to help in coverage, and when you've got the kind of defensive line that we do. Uh, you, you can pretty much make that decision and not really have to worry about if the other team's going to uptick their run tempo. Um, so I, I think, you know, if we continue doing what we did for those last couple of games last year against Texas Tech, uh, against Oklahoma State, against Old Miss, and we continue to maybe put out a faster guy instead of because, you know, if, if we're being honest, Matt Jones covering somebody who runs a 4 3 is probably going to be in a little bit of a mismatch. You know, he, yeah. he's a tough guy who can play near the line and you know, get a pick like you did in the big 12 championship. Right. But th- those are not the kind of players that you want covering, you know, a, a deep post. Right. Right. Uh, so if we get a guy like Williams in there, or if we get another DB, I, I think we're going to be totally fine. A lot of the issues that we had were schematic. And I think they fixed it by the end of the year.
0: Hmm. Luke, my, my last question in the secondary, and then I want to ask you about realignment. I didn't even tell you to prepare for that, but this is, I'm having fun and I want to keep going. Uh, the one guy that I keep hearing about this off season that I just want to know every bit of why why the hype and where the hype comes from. I get it, I get it, but I, I love when it's explained to me. Snacks. He is. He just seems like the guy on everybody's list of like the game changer, the difference maker on the defense. What gives you that confidence coming into this season, based on what you've already seen with him, and and really just at the root of it, where does that come from?
1: So. For me personally, I, I'm not exactly a personnel guy. I'm much more into the schematics of things, but just looking at snacks, uh, even all the way back at the end of the last spring, right? You had experienced incoming seniors that were talking about snacks like he was gonna be a quality playmaker all the way through the year. I, I can't even tell you how many press conferences, you know, the somebody was talking about the DB group and one of the, the captains was like, you know, throwing snacks his name in the mix. And then the end of the year, last year, Terrell Bernard during his MVP speech at the Sugar Bowl said, like Snacks was one of the the, the guys that he shouted out and said, you know, this guy's like one of the up and comers. So if you look at that team and who the people on the team that mattered the most were talking about as the guys that were going to take a lead moving forward, every single player, your your Terrell Bernard's, your Jalen Petries, they thought Snacks was a dude, you know, like he was yeah. a player. And if you're looking at his game, you know, Snacks definitely if they ended up playing him at star, I think he would have a little bit of struggles to start off because he's not necessarily the same kind of, you know, like hard nosed edge rusher that Petrie was, but if they did end up moving moving him to somewhere like corner, I mean, he's fast, good hands. The way that he reads the quarterback is very intuitive. You know, if you talk about those things that people are just, you know, naturally good at uh, when snacks is turned, got his hand on the hip of the receiver, he, he just has an eye for when the break's going to be. And that's somebody that we're going to need this next season. If we are having to pick up our pass protection a little bit, because obviously, you know, you lose three defensive backs, to the NFL, like there, there's going to be some struggles and, and he's the type of guy that I would want to have in for a newcomer for sure.
0: Boom. Luke. I like it. Luke. You know what else I like? Freaking built bars, man. Luke's still not gone. I can't, we're not getting rid of him yet. I promise. But I got to tell you about bill bar, bill bar right now. You ready for this? You ready? You ready? Cookie dough. Ah, ah, There have been so many freaking Bilt Bar flavors I told you about. This is the one. This is the one. Bilt Bar has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puffs. Bada bing, bada boom. You had the banana one. You had that, uh, the fudge one a while back. Now the cookie dough one. They are 100% real chocolate. They are cookie dough like chunks of actual cookie dough, but also they're only 160 calories and they have 15 grams of protein. So it's like Oh, I'm eating something unhealthy. No, but it's actually healthy for you. Only 160 calories, 15 grams of protein. That's good. That's like more than an egg. Ah, don't quote me on that. Like all Bill Bars though, 100% real chocolate and tasty. Fluffy light texture. I've, I've had this. It's pretty solid, actually. Uh, what's great about Built Bar is they have like these collagen proteins too. So, like, they not only taste good, but they also like help your body, whereas they like your body may reject other healthy stuff like kale, not this stuff. Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, whether you need a snack for a workout or a quick bite, grab yourself a Built Bar. If you go to built.com right now and use promo code LOCK15, built.com, promo code LOCK15, you will get 15% off your order at built.com. Luke? The Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, everything. There's all kinds of jazz going on everywhere. What do you make? This is the most general question you've ever been given in your life. What do you make of all this realignment jazz, and do you make, do you even make anything of it?
1: So for me, uh, this is something where I don't think I can necessarily uh, – make too many positive comments on Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a very traditional classical college football fan. I want to see USC playing Oregon every year. I want to see Baylor playing Texas every year. You know, even, even if I had been born 20 years earlier, I don't think I would have seen wanted to see Nebraska fans leave, you know, as annoying as those guys are uh, like they're, they're a team that we have a lot of history with and there's a lot of tradition. So moving forward, if you're looking at, you know, What's essentially people are considering the super conferences of the the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12 loses so much of its, you know, we we have a very rich tradition. If you're looking back at the 70s, if you're looking at the 90s, early 2000s, like the Big 12 was considered one of the best conferences out there, if not the best in quite a few years. Um, But I still think that there's hope, right? If you're looking at the remaining conferences past those top two, the AAC, for the, or the the ACC yeah. is in a position where they're going to be stable for the next, you know, 10, 12 years, however long the contract is. Actually, I think it's uh, 15. Um, and they're going to be in a position where 15 years from now, I, I get the feeling that they're going to be in a very similar position to what our, all of our schools have been going through, yeah. where they're going to be the bottom 80% of the conference is going to be taking a huge drop. And the top 20% is going to move on to greener pastures. Um I, I know there's been a lot of names floated around you know obviously clemson uh florida state you know like solid traditional programs uh, i just don't see how if you're a part of a super conference you could not include those teams um but as far as the teams that are remaining for those conferences the big 12 is head and shoulders against any lesser a- acc and any lesser pac-12 right this last season three new big 12 members finished in the top 10 and yeah. if you're looking at like for example FEI averages over the last decade, you know, the the Kansases of the Big 12, there's only one. If you're looking at the Kansases of the Pac-12, you've got four or five. If you're looking at the Kansases of the ACC, you've got four or five. Yeah. To where the, the Big 12 is going to consistently have better than average teams competing for you know some solid positioning. Now I'm not going to be you know an idiot and say that the Big 12 is going to be going out and winning national championships, right? That's going to take time, and I think that that would have to be some kind of massive shift in the national landscape for us to reach that level. But here's some hope, right? If you look back on national championship caliber teams over the last decade from the Big 12, you see 2012 Kansas State, right? You see 2011 Oklahoma State, who, you know, by by any advanced metrics, was a top two team in the country, right? Where they, they were just absolutely murdering people and had one really bad game. And they were recruiting at pretty much the same level that they are now. Now, people say, you know, there's a blue chip ratio. uh, There's essentially all these standards of advanced metrics you have to get for recruiting to get to that point. But in my perspective, all it takes is some kind of scheming shift or some kind of fantastic coach to kind of take you over to that next level. And if you're looking at some young guys that are joining the conference, um, like I I forget his name, but that guy from Western Kentucky that headed to tech. Like that dude is a, he's a scheming genius. Dave Aranda knows his stuff for defense. You know, if you're looking at uh, even places like Cincinnati, Luke Fickle is building a program there that is going to be churning out some fantastic NFL players moving forward to where they will get that talent boost. So I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic for. Obviously, this is not the position I would choose. But if you're just comparing conferences, you know, objectively looking at average stats across the last few years, the Big 12 is set up to be the third best conference by far.
0: I am going to start referring to myself as a college football traditionalist. That's my new favorite thing. USC and Oregon every year. That's my, like, printed on the t-shirt. Uh, Luke, how, first and foremost, unbelievable stuff. Like, really, really, like, the knowledge, the defense knowledge, the numbers, everything you put in perspective to the point where it's objective on how Baylor will actually be solid defensively next year. So, thank you for bringing that. I would love to know, the whole Baylor-Bearhead thing, how did you How did you get that started?
1: Uh, so, this last season uh i actually a- after we finished the year um you know th- this had always just been kind of an account that i used for for news uh for just kind of like getting all my you know daily drakey toll doses of the day um yeah exactly you, <laughs> i mean it's an awesome account to follow yeah, everybody follow drake but uh you know they they're, they're kind of reached a point about 2 to 3 months into the off season where uh you know i talked to some bigger name accounts and you know I, I kind of got a feel for what other programs across the country had in terms yeah. of, if you're talking like, you know, Twitter space communities, if you're talking, uh, you know, pregame programming, uh, in terms of like, like team versus team projections, I, I just felt like there was kind of a little bit of a gap in what the Baylor community had for some of those things. Like our articles, awesome. You know, our podcasts, awesome. Radio shows, awesome. But there are just a couple things where I feel like I could feel a little, feel a little bit of a niche. Yeah. Um, so that's all I've been trying to do, you know, build a little bit more of a community on Twitter because, you know, obviously Baylor very small, uh, right. You know, undergrad population. If we're going to be keeping up with these big name programs and kind of making a name for ourselves, there, there are just some places where I'd like us to be repped a lot. So mm. that's what I'm trying to do. Luke, is it a Charlie Brewer jersey? Oh yeah. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. It's Gary, my yeah, boy. Dude. Yeah,
0: dude. Oh wow. Wow. Twist the knife there. Twist the
1: knife today. Yeah. Um, no, Gary, Gary and I DM'd a little bit last year, actually. And he promised me all season that he was going to sign my Jersey. And then I jump on the field for the OU game and I run as quick as I can to go find Gary. And he had already dipped into the locker room. Dude. I even yeah. had my marker and everything, but on the bright side, I got two thirds of the rest of the team to sign on here. So. Dude.
0: I got bad news. I don't think Gary's going to be on the field this season to sign the Jersey
1: that's okay. Hey, Shapin's still my quarterback too. I just, you know, a lot of good memories with Gary. He holds a good place in my heart for sure. I love it. Luke, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You, as long as like
0: consensually, you'll be back 100 P 100 P it's my new thing. 100 P. Drake Toll, Luke Jones, go follow him at Baylor Bearhead. Really good content always coming out. If you're convinced that Baylor's going to suck, you'll be unconvinced of that much. Again, thank you for watching or listening to Locked On Baylor, joining us in some capacity. We will, are words, will now be five days a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Not even Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Five days a week from August all the way to whenever the heck basketball season ends because we are going to give you everyday coverage. Your podcast, every day for Baylor Bears. Again. Thanks for listening today. Come back tomorrow because, yep, Cam Stewart joins Locked on Baylor.